Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today we are going to talk about three things that boost at-home learning. And my special guest is Sarah Collins from Homeschool OT, also Collins Academy Therapy Services. Um, she uh, has 15 years as an experience as an occupational therapist, plus seven years as a homeschool mom. And she's the owner of those two amazing businesses I just rattled off. Homeschool OT that serves homeschool families for occupational therapy um, questions, needs, and then Collins Academy Therapy Services that services health professionals working with homeschool families. And Sarah, you have been an amazing influence in the homeschool community. And I, um, I'm i just honored to have you back on the show to talk about these these three things that um, that any parent can do to boost at-home learning. I'm excited for what you have to share. Well, thank you. That's such a fantastic opening. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> actually even heard your new like snazzy music. So I, was oh. like, oh, <laughs> I know everything has changed since you've been on the show. Right. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for saying that. It is, um, it has been a wild ride like since, so homeschool OT, we opened in, in 2019 and mm-hmm. it has been just a lovely um, growth period. And I just feel so honored to be able to serve in, in the way that, that we are. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so yes, we're going to, we're going to talk about some things that Sarah had on her heart early in the year. She contacted me and said, I want to be back on the show. I want to talk about this. And, um, and I think it, well, I definitely know this is a conversation that you just all need to hear um, because I think it gets to the root of a lot of the things that we're struggling with when we're teaching unique children. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes we just, we skip over these, these, what seem like very simple things, but yet in our philosophy of homeschooling, yeah. we think they're so simple 
that we don't even have to pay attention to them. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's kind of like, um, you know, because we do have diverse learners and and mm-hmm. each kid in our own house are is different from each other. You know, we are all right. wired, right? So um, it would be a lot easier if we were coming on this conversation and I was like, all right, these are the exact three things that I want you to do. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you, think you need to, you know, use these manipulatives and buy this curriculum and everyone would be happy, right? Right, yes, you can check those boxes and we can yes. purchase and yeah. then we're, we everything's going to be perfect, right? <laughs> right, so easy, so easy. So instead, you know, we're going to think a little bit more like philosophical, kind of like what you were saying, but really making sure that this is what, everybody can do. Yes. These simple things that everyone can do within their home schools. So yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, I'm going to kind of roll through some of these. I'm going to put this, um, the slides up and, and then also, um, Sarah, I just want everybody to know that if they have questions or comments during the show, if you're watching on Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitter, we're on all those three places right now, mm-hmm. just know mm-hmm. that you can put comments, questions um, down. I'm going to be watching those as Sarah's talking, and um, hopefully we'll be able to incorporate some of those questions. And we did have some questions submitted ahead of the show, too, that we're going to okay. incorporate some maybe in the middle because she's going to be addressing some of these topics, but also um, addressing the, the other ones at the end. So. Perfect. All right. All right. Go for it, Sarah. <laughs> All right. So I'm um, like, you know, what you and I kind of started talking about is that we are, you know, each of us is, is unique. And just the more that I read about with neuroscience, with interpersonal biology, theology, homeschool philosophy, worldview, like, and guys, I'm a, a big reader. I read all the time. Although I will say I did not before I was homeschooling. Um, really? <laughs> I know. It has been kind of a beautiful part of me being a lead learner and um, working alongside of my kids and part of setting that model for them. Right. Um, but within that, the more that I was almost looking for those very specific things that are going to be like, what is going to work for my children? Right. And yeah, because of that, kind of the smaller I feel and the more humble that I have to become continually. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that then I become more and more grateful that we can be um, individualized. And so that's kind of how we're going to go through this is just coming from that perspective that we are all very unique and yet what we're trying to do is to help our children to be successful in what they specifically need and want to do for the, you know, that they are all, you know, the handiwork and they all have different things that the works that they've been prepared in advance for them to do. So um, we have to come alongside of them. So a big piece of that is knowing, okay, so what is learning and how are we going to boost that? So what is learning? So Charlotte Mason, good old Charlotte, I'm telling you, if she, um, <laughs> Someone asked me once, you know, one of those dinner table questions, and they were like, who is one person from history that you would like to meet? And Charlotte Mason is now my person. <laughs> I really find <laughs> her so fascinating, the books that I've read of hers, everything. But so she describes learning as the science of relations. Um, so this was, you know, all the way back in the good old 1800s. Um, now we, <laughs> in 2010, Queen's University, um, my goodness, can you hear my dog in the background? Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. We are live, so that yeah. happens. <laughs> okay. Well, this is the um, homeschooling uh, mom, working mom here that we have going on. Okay. He will stop in a moment. It's probably the Amazon guy. He does not. Oh, yeah. Mine does the same thing. So, <laughs> All right. So Queen's University, um, who is... They said or defined learning as deep and long-lasting learning that involves understanding, relating ideas, and making connections between prior and new knowledge, independent and critical thinking, the ability to transform knowledge into different contexts, which I feel like if you read that and then you summarize it, it means it's the science of relations. Right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanjay Sarma, who wrote a book in 2020 called Grasp, which is fascinating, guys. It is huh. all the history of education put together with science of learning. It is like, it's a tough read. It's a lot, but it is fantastic. Um, and he said, encountering a chunk of information that forces you to change or reframe your prior, prior body of knowledge leading to curiosity. And that's what, how he defines learning. I actually really like that definition. Yeah, too. that is so, wonderful. 
if we're going from that, that really what we're trying to do is help our children to make connections across um, environments or or across right. make relationships across subjects. That type of that's and boosting their curiosity. Then yeah. we it's there's a lot of freedom in that in what absolutely how to learn. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of our goals and how I'm going to look, work through this then. So if we are under that mindset that we can make these connections and relationships when we are curious, right, then some three things that we want to do, we, number one, we need to observe our children, right? We want to know like, what strengths do they have? What do they need yeah. to build? Like, where are we right now? We need to consider the environments and how they're going to cater to that curiosity. Mm-hmm. And we need to seek out activities. So there you are. There's your top three. <laughs> it's not as easy as buy some manipulatives in the specific curriculum. Right. Exactly. These things that everybody can do. And I'm going to, we're going to talk through what that looks like. Great. But, so observe, consider the environment and seek out activities. So how are we going to observe? All right. We, um, Peggy, you and I, when we talked a couple years ago, I used these same terms when we went through the skills yeah. that nature can build. Right. Um, because what these are is how um, the occupational therapy practice framework. So these okay. are the skills, how they define motor skills, cognitive skills, and social skills. Because um, so many of us are like, well, you know, to be able to write, we need to be able to, you know, just hold our pencil and have that grasp and have fine motor skills. But then they're like, what are fine motor skills? Right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. It seems so, so vague to, to exactly. all of us that aren't in your field. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to kind of go through these and then don't worry, I do have a, um, a little video to show them, to show some of them Great. to you. So, but if we're thinking motor skills, um, we, you need to be able to stabilize your body. One of the b- biggest things that we say in the OT world is um, distal or proxi- sorry, proximal stability leads to distal mobility. So what that means ah. is if you are stabilizing, like for example, when you're sitting, and this just made me change my posture, if you can tell, <laughs> but your core strength is what's holding you upright so that then you can move your move your hands and your body. If you're right. like slouching down, you have less movement. I mean, just you know, lean forward in your chair, guys, and you can right. see you cannot lift your arms up nearly as high as you can when you are really stable here. So right. having that core strength or that stability, that's one of the motor skills to align your body. So if you're, you know, slouched over again and your head is to the side, your your Absolutely. body systems are off, your sensory systems are off and it's a lot harder to be able to move those hands that you need. To be able to reach to know where you're going or how far up you need to reach to grab something. Bending, again, how far down can you bend um, grip? So that would be, there's lots of different grips and grasps. But what do you need to do to pick up one object? You know, what I need to do to pick up a pencil is different than what I need to do to pick up my water bottle. Right. Um, manipulate. So if I need to be able to write, I also need to be able to move my pencil around. Or if I'm going to um, put change in a soda machine, well, does anyone really do that anymore? But whatever. I don't know. <laughs> they just slide their I credit mean, card in. Or, yeah, right? yeah. If I need to turn on my phone or pull out right, my card, exactly. can I do that and move that you know card around to the position that it needs to be? Um, coordination. So this is including, oh goodness, this is including your eyes and also your hands. Um, Can you coordinate how, like how much force, but also the movement so it's accurate to do what you wanted it to do? Yes. Move would be um, carrying something, move and transport kind of go together. So can you move your body from one space to another, lift up something, you know, walk, transport that item to another area? Got it. Calibrate is if you're thinking about this is my best example, you know, the Amazon man, right? Who just came and yep. made my dog so mad. Um, if I thought that in this box was like a, a bunch of paper towels, but in reality, it is like four bowling balls, right? And so I go to pick it up and I don't have the right force. That's the calibration, yes. you know, it, it would either I would hurt my back or if it was paper towels, they would flow them and, you know, throw them in the sky. So, right. Um, it's like changing how that, that muscle bodies are instantly yeah. are reacting to whatever force is on it versus the, the slower term reaction. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And flow is like how smooth those things are. You know, are you having to Got stop it. and really think about each separate movement? You can, 
imagine this for kids who are trying to learn to handwrite, you know, and their D is it like a big, very long line down that they're having a hard time stopping and moving and then they have to make their curve or are we, you know, just moving along letter to letter to letter. Do we have a nice flow of those skills? Yeah. Endure and pace also go together. Like think about if you are, you know, running a mile, can you endure that and set your same pace or are you like slow and start and slow and start and you don't have enough endurance to make it to the end? So these are our motor skills. And so if we're observing these things, like when you're watching your children do handwriting or you're watching them, you know, play ball outside, you can be observing for these same skills throughout and say, hmm, what are their strengths? What are not? And how does this play into learning? After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. So here's an example. Um, here's my son. He's playing with his skateboard, like or his little like hand skateboard, right? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which P.S. He built this little skate park on his own. Um, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. So that is one of those little fingerboards that, that he's moving side to side. He's built this thing on his desk. And so if you saw how he is, he's sitting in his desk chair, right? So he had to stabilize his core and his shoulder as he's moving along. Because if he is reaching across and all, you know, his, again, if his core is really um, sloppy or slouched, he's not going to have the same movement with his upper body. Exactly. He had to align his head and his torso as they were rotating. He's reaching all over that desk, across his body, bending his elbows, his wrist, his fingers. You know, he was gripping there, but with the top of his fingers, if you could see that. Right. And then, right? And then manipulating it around with his thumb and his fingers, coordinating that move between jumps and changing, um, you know, how much, how hard he is holding on to that um, skateboard right. as he's allowing it to move and not fall. So, these are all motor skills just in one section. So I'm sure you're looking at that and being like, cool, Sarah, but what does that have to do with learning? Like, uh-huh. just playing the game, <laughs> right? Okay, you're right. But again, if you think about what we're doing, the science of relations, how that, how he's connecting these things across, if you can do that with your skateboard, right? writing is very different. Exactly. <laughs> and then if you are so slouched, it is very difficult for you to be able to functionally to um, put dishes away, also to be able to sit at a table to eat your dinner, also to be able to sit at a table and write. These skills, they carry over directly. If you are not stable or even able to coordinate your eyes and your hands, reading is very difficult. You can't do those things. Then, you know, learning, reading from any books is also very difficult. So that's how this all carries over and how we want to be observing even these motor skills to see how they impact learning. Yeah, it's, that's amazing that, you know, because the thing that I think we get taught too much is, well, we're just teaching them wrong. And so we got to just change our strategy instead of going back again, like we were talking at the very beginning. These are very basic, very simple yeah. things, but it's it's so simple. Again, we miss them. And Right. So, right. yeah. And absolutely, you know, guys, if we, 
just go back and look at that. That same kiddo right there who was doing that <laughs> did not read and write until he was um, nine and 10 years old um, yeah. because he was missing many of those underlying skills of his vision. And, you know, there's other podcasts and things where I tell that whole story. We don't have time to get into that whole thing yeah, today. I'll have but... to link all your old um, or your older episodes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To go through. He, and he is always, I run through before, you know, we start these things where I'm like, what can I talk about today? Cause it is his story and not mine. Right. But, exactly. Um, a big piece of getting him to where he is now, where he is able to read and to write um, came from focusing in on these other motor skills on his core strength, on his fine motor skills, on his visual motor skills, on his coordination, all of those things played into whether he could read and write. If all I was doing was forcing him, like, here's your book, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, or just keep copy work, just keep copy work, we wouldn't be where we are today. Right. So it is important to look at these small observable actions. Absolutely. Um, so process skills. So these are kind of like the cognitive skills that we that we talk about. Um, and they, again, are small observable skills that that as you're going through your day, if you can look and see what is going well here, what is not. Yes. And does, is this similar across like different subjects or different environments? Um, so here are your process skills. So attending, you guys, people talk all the time about attention and how long can you pay attention and what should you be doing to pay attention? How do you show that you're paying attention? Right. So that within itself requires a lot of observation. You know, how long is a person able to focus? Are they, you know, alert and um really taking in information and processing it. And so that might look different for your child versus, you know, my child versus Susie's child over there. Um, It used to be that we would say, you know, if you're sitting very still and your eyes are looking forward, um, one, two, three eyes on me, that that means that you're attending. Um, Now we know that's not necessarily the truth. Right. And again, even if we talk about Caleb, my son there, like, when he is playing his Legos or even when he's playing with, you know, that um, skateboard or whatever, um, his curiosity is peaked. That's one of the things that Sanjay Sarma was talking about. And so he is able to attend more. And I can find that for him specifically by asking, like, I'll be like, what did you hear? What did you see? Um, what did you touch? You know, um, try to get into asking him questions and he can typically tell me back now. If he was so focused on sitting in his chair to keep his eyes on me, um, he would not be attending. He would be <laughs> yes. focused on holding his body still. So these are very important when you're going along with your observations. How can you tell if your child is paying attention and how can you not? Um, this range very much by person to person. Um So choosing and using, they kind of go together. Like, can you choose the right utensil? Like, okay, so I need to do this art project. I need a pair of scissors and a ruler. Or you do not know how to choose those right tools and then use them correctly and handle them correctly, right? So we're not like running with scissors and cutting out hair, but (laughs) right. Um, and again, this is a developmental range here, guys, when they're two, probably going to cut their hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you've been there, done that. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and looking at this hair today, my goodness, those of you who are on YouTube, it is um, quite, quite um, humid here. In, Lots in of humid. Maybe I need to be using my scissors for that. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so uh, I digress. Um, inquiring. So that's asking the right questions at the right times, um, showing that, you know, you're, if I'm reading to you about, you know, plants, that you're not asking me some random question about what's for dinner tonight. Right. You know, but you are in on what we are, are doing. Initiating would be, hmm, we hear a lot about let kids be bored and they'll, they'll initiate activity. Okay, that's a process skill in itself to be able yeah. to come up with something to do, to find the tools that you need to, to then get started, to then right. continue, you know, sequence along, going until you're finishing. Guys, the you see how many skills that that just took. Right. So where I do really appreciate people saying like, remove the screens, let them be bored, encourage them. Um, we need to make sure that that is within their 
ability first. Right. Um, and scaffold it until yes. the point that they're ready uh-huh. because otherwise they're just going to end up more frustrated because they haven't yes. got the, the lower skills to do right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So things like if we're talking in that way, like how to help our kids initiate something, you know, maybe we are asking a question first, what mm-hmm. can you do now? That's very open-ended and puts it right on them. If they're looking at you like, I have no idea. If I right. knew that, I would be doing it, right? They <laughs> right. need more help. <laughs> they need something like, oh, here are, you know, three different activities. What of those could you do? Or something like, what does your body feel like it needs to do now? Right. Does it want to sit? Does it want to run? You know, we helping them to be in tune with their bodies so that they know, like, right now I'm tired and I just want to sit and read, or I yes. feel like I'm, I can't do this math anymore. I'm feeling very intense. Let me go outside and run around. Like these are very, very different um, feelings internally that we need to help them to recognize so that they can initiate. Absolutely. Um, Organizing. So if we are saying, you know, here's this project we need to do, you know, can you choose and use those supplies together? Can we keep them all organized, restore them back, put them away at the end? How many people can actually put away their toys <laughs> or, their, their <laughs> or their dishes or <laughs> yes, please, <laughs> you know, but if you're seeing that across environments or across, like they don't put away their toys. They don't put away their dishes. They don't put away their, you know, um, their project here. We need to back up and say, why, why is that? What am I observing here? Um, Generally, if they're not doing it across many environments or many different things, it's because we need to scaffold that skill a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Navigating. So, This is a big one, especially, you know, knowing where you are in your own house, knowing where you are outside of your house and how safe are you, um, being able to get from one place to another. This is a process skill of, you know, think of everything you have to know um, about your surroundings and safety to be able to navigate a space. So um, that in itself, again, if you're finding kids who are not um, safe or are safe only in their one environment. You know, they know I can't, you know, touch the oven in here, but yet we go to, you know, a friend's house and they don't recognize the same tools, then okay, we need to be focusing in on that recognition of items oh, and right. safety rules and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, noticing and responding. I will tell you, we started last year for my son a chore that is specifically notice and respond. So every morning um, when we're kind of deciding, you know, what is your, we call it our coop time because I'm a big nerd. Um, This is how (laughs) we take care of our coop here at home. Um, (laughs) We also own chickens. So sometimes coop time is literally cleaning out the coop. Oh yeah. So one of my kids' favorite activities when we had a farm. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, But notice like what, what do you see around you that needs to be done? And how can you respond to it? So I literally, I ask him that in the morning. And when it's hard um, or when he's not coming up with something, I'll pick like a spot in the room. Okay, so look around your room right now. What should be done in here? Maybe it's laundry on the floor. Maybe it's things that are under the bed that are now spilling from... I don't know how it happens. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Not like, how did they get there to begin with? I don't know. Right. Um, but so notice and respond to that situation. Yeah. Um, and then adjusting, which is a big one for, for kids. If you know, you have one plan or your rhythm for your day right. and something changes, can you adjust to that? So I'm going to show you a picture. This is my daughter here. She um, is doing the dishes. I mentioned, um, that, you know, we do have a chore time in our day, but for Annabelle, who is now 15, she's been working on time management a lot and organizing. So that was a a big piece of it. And so I told her, we talked, well, we always go out before school starts every year. Um, we one-on-one with each of our kids, I have three home with us. And so we go out and we set up, like, what do you think that your chores should be this year? What should your responsibilities around our house be? Um, and we were talking about her time management. So she, her role is to take care of our breakfast dishes. Now, since we're working on time management, if she doesn't do it after breakfast, all those dishes from lunch then pile up, right? Yes. So she has to actually make that choice of, am I going to do them now? Am I going to do them later? There, There's a natural consequence 
built in there. Um, right. for her to, I do not say, Annabelle, do the dishes, Annabelle, Annabelle, Annabelle. Um, she just has that. Right. So um, that's where I'm saying she manages her time during her own day. So here's, here's my girl. I was waiting for that because, you know, other than that, she's just a person washing dishes, right? Right. I'm going to be telling people about how this is still school. Things like how you have to manage your time wisely to be down here and get everything done. Uh (laughs) Like her self-awareness in there. Um, So she was, she was shifting her attention back and forth from focusing right on those dishes to then talking to me, then going back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And even her, if we look back at those motor skills, the calibration of holding those dishes, of not dropping them in there, knowing how to hold your bowl versus your cup, you know, how to handle each object, you know, knowing the sequence of activity, what comes first, second, third, um, Noticing if water is out on the counter and then responding to that. So no one out, or on the floor. So no one else comes by and, you know, falls flat on our faces. Right. <laughs> now these, again, you can say, great, Sarah, cool. I can watch all these things, but what does that have to do with learning? Well, think about a project that you have to have the exactly. first, second and third things that you're doing and you need to be able to carry on. If we're looking at younger ages, even with the motor plan of of handwriting, of making your big line down and then your curve, there is a first and a second thing to do. Or when we're then moving on from writing letters to writing sentences, does each one have a subject and a verb? There is a sequence in that. So right. When we're practicing these process skills across all environments during the day, whether it is literally sitting down and doing what we would think of academia, or mm-hmm. we are living our everyday life, you are still practicing these same skills. Absolutely. So we're observing them. Yeah. All right. Social skills. Aren't these the, your favorite here as homeschoolers? Because how many times people worry about our, right. yes. you know, our poor children <laughs> and their social skills. And so nice and, of them to worry for us. <laughs> and like the snarky part of me wants to be like, oh, did you know that there are actually 21 different social skills? And would you like to know how I, how I, <laughs> how I homeschool with each of them? I don't think that's really uh, so much. You got to make a video that. like that. I think. Yeah, right? just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one of these are you thinking of? Um, and I will say that, again, just the same as attention, you know, as we are doing more and more research and learning more and more about neurodiversity and how to be affirming, you know, there are a lot of these in here, like um, eye contact that we used to say is very important or being able to match your language. Like, you know, I talk to um, my mom a little bit different than I talk to like, you know, my friend down the street. In fact, <laughs> My, my son who came back to camp from camp this summer and wanted to call me bruh every five seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> this is not happening. I, like, right? So we had to be able to change that, right. <laughs> that language in there. Um, so some of those are a little bit different when we're thinking about being neurodiversity affirming. So as I go through these, though, I do just want to kind of say these are how we, um, as the occupational therapy framework or AOTA has defined social skills. So we can observe for them within our homes. Okay. So being able to approach someone um, to talk or start, you know, a conversation to actually literally produce speech. Um, If you're looking at me with all my gestures here, (laughs) having appropriate gestures, turning towards someone if they're talking to you and looking at them. Again, this is different based on people, but this is how we want to observe to see like, okay, are you able to do that? And if not, how are you showing that you're listening and how are you showing that you're engaging or how should I do that for you so that you are comfortable, uh, yes. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like these observation skills are still very important, whether or not we are expecting that to happen or not. Mm-hmm. Um, touching appropriately. So, you know, if you touch someone's shoulder or, um, you know, we're not going to punch them in the middle, but knowing mm-hmm. what is appropriate touch. And again, that varies person to person. So right. um, knowing what is okay and how to ask if that's okay or not. Right. Um, 
Regulates is more when we're thinking of social skills. If you like walk into a room and you can feel like two people are arguing, right? Do you all of a sudden walk, feel really, really anxious and like join that argument? You know, uh-huh. are you able to keep yourself calm with, within that argument? Same thing if, you know, they're laying on the couch and you walk into a room from work and are you given a presentation and you're all hyped up? Are you like, ah, hey, nice to see you, you know, right. or can you regulate to what is happening? Can you, do you have the judgment of seeing what's, what's happening in that room? Asking appropriate <laughs> questions and giving the replies to that, <laughs> disclosing the right information in different environments, right? Uh, so, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> we've all had that. <laughs> Overshares. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why is that lady so fat? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, expressing emotion in a a way that people can understand what you are needing. Also, being able to observe other people's emotions, um, that self-advocacy kind of goes along in there. Right, it does. Mm -hmm. And being able to disagree with someone. (laughs) Wow, right? Isn't this? I I think that's that's probably where social skills cut off in most of our society right now. (laughs) So true. So true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Being able to be thankful and, you know, and tell someone, you know, thank you for doing that. Um, Transitioning between different conversations or um, if you are, you know, in different areas. And again, this is kind of that matching your language, but moving between two different things. Um, Timing your responses. So you're not either like talking over someone or, you know, you're not just being completely ignored, right? Both of those. Right. Um, Being able to take turns. So, and that's, yes, in a game, absolutely. That's a social skill, but also in a conversation. Um, And guys, I also want to say in here for our AAC users, this is the same information that we want them to be able to do or the same skills. Um, However you are communicating, that is your least least restrictive, you know, way of communicating. So if you're using an AAC, it's the same thing. We want you to be able to time your responses, to take turns, to, I mean, it is a little bit harder to match language, but it's not impossible. And especially the more Absolutely. and more used to using devices that you are. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, if you say a word to me and I don't understand, can you then clarify it? Or sorry, if I say a word and you don't understand, can I clarify what that means? Um, matching your knowledge. Anyone you ever have a know-it-all, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) knowing what you don't know, that's a very important part. Absolutely. Um, Recognizing when you are the expert in the room and that your voice has value. Right. You're not the expert in the room, but you still, um, your, your words still have value. So being able to express yourself in different environments so that you can get your point across. Um, empathizing with other people, recognizing where others are um, in their lives, in that conversation, um, Mm -hmm. just being able to really focus in on, I am not the center of the world. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then make accommodations for that person. Um, There's something in research where we've been talking about the double empathy problem, meaning that many times we want autistic folks to be able to um, accommodate to us, to the neurotypical world. Mm -hmm. But many times we're not empathizing and we're not looking at what their situation is to make our world more accommodating. Right. So we need to be looking at both. Um, This is the double empathy problem. So putting the onus on the both of us to accommodate each other rather than one having, you know, you got it. And then recognizing the benefits in different situations. And that kind of goes along with the thanks and feeling grateful. That is a very important piece of our world. And social skills. So let's just watch these two little guys. These are my um, um, two seven-year-olds here. And if you just watch them kind of playing out in the creek. So you can see them. I, I forget what, I don't know. They made up some game here. They were, they had sticks and they were eating them like, or not really eating them, but pretending right, to eat yeah. them. Hot dogs. <laughs> and then once they finished, throwing them back out into the water. But you can watch them. Like they turn to each other. They're looking. They're passing those sticks back and forth in this game. Somehow, whatever role play that they made up, they both knew what they were doing. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear exactly what they're saying, which I think is 
part of my favorite part, but I could tell um, Liam, who's the little guy on the right, I could tell he was asking a question because then I watched Reese, who is my other little guy who's on the left. I watched him like shrug his shoulders. So he was replying to that question, whatever it was. And you can right. tell that from far away. So you mm-hmm. know that they're gesturing. They are in whatever zone it is yeah. that they're able to answer. They're accommodating each other. You know, they <laughs> they don't need to match my knowledge, but they are matching their language over there together. Right. And then if they come and talk to me about it, right, later on. So again, you're like, Sarah, cool, but what does all this have to do with homeschooling and getting through? So if we can observe these skills in our kids where they're playing, when they're interacting with us, you know, at, at the table or when right. we're eating or when we're studying and they can change the social skills that they need across these environments. Then when they're going into museums and then they're on a team and these things carry over um, and are necessary with whatever that they're doing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, that's what we're observing. And then we're helping them to make the academic connections through that. So again, right. it's the science of relations, right? So if I wanted to, you know, after um, the, my little guys out there were playing outside, if I needed to, or I wanted to talk to them about, wow, did you see that stick float? Did you not? You know, we're bringing in science there. Absolutely. Or, you know, if I'm talking about the geography that's around them, do you see all these rocks here? What else do we know about rocks or um, where we were? Um, we happen to be by a dam. Do you know about Raps Dam and what it used to be for our town that we live in, what it is now? You know, then we're bringing right. in all of these historical options around us. We're making those science of relations, connections to literature. We, Do you know what I actually think that they were playing now that I think about it, we had been um, reading Hatchet and they, um, so if you have ever read that book, it's a, it's a kid who was in an airplane and he, um, it crashed. And so he had to survive on his own. Okay. And so I think that's actually, now that I'm looking at this, what they were playing, although there was two of them, but they were playing that they had to survive and that's why they're pretending that they're eating there. So all of these different connections that they're doing through their play um, or through their different activities. So, all right. (laughs) So we've spent all this time observing, right? And we're like, awesome. And I do want to say there is on my website, um, there is a, it's called the reverse learning um, checklist, I think is what it's called. Reverse learning checklist. And that kind of takes, it gives you a way to observe all of those things, to like take an activity and break it down and be oh, able to Okay, that would those. be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also, and Peggy, I can send you a link to this. Um, there's a new, it's um, an AI, and now I'll, I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but I can send you a link to it, that if you put in this um, AI, like brushing your teeth, it'll break it down to all these different steps oh. and say the ways that it um, or the Is it chat GPT it. if you can say no, it's not down the okay. Um, okay. Well, I'll I'll send it to you because now it's really bothering me that I don't remember oh. what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but we will make sure that you have that option. Well that's great, especially if you want to build like a visual schedule and yeah. stuff. And so mm-hmm. then you, it's just yeah. Yeah, when you need you to be able to break down, like, what are these steps? And sometimes when you're just automatically <laughs> doing things, you're not like, oh, at first I turn on the water, then I get right exactly you know, to think through everything you're breaking down. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, so now let's think about the environments and how if we have observed all of these things, now what do we do? Um, right. So recognize, obviously, that learning is occurring everywhere. But again, Absolutely. like we still want to think about what are the best environments for our kids, so if we're thinking about the time of day, you know, that we're going to approach them with something, the place yeah. that we are, you know, are we doing this inside? Are we doing this outside? Are we doing this at the table or whatever? Um, and the setup of the activity, also very important. Oh, yeah. Um, so here, if you can see, this is my little guy, or um, Caleb, that I was talking to you about before, who did not, I mean, this is when he was really still beginning to to write around age nine, I think. And at that point he was doing some copy work, right? He was, Mm -hmm. I think that's a speech or something that I was writing and I had to cover up part of the paper. I also put it on a slant Uh, board in front of him. So he's not looking left to right. So Caleb has um, visual scanning insufficiency. His eye muscles were not strong enough to help him to scan across a page to read. Um, So if I had set that book up next to him where he had to look over to the left and read, and then he had to write it down, 
would not be working. But you can see on this picture, his font is tiny. Like it's not a matter that I needed to have really big words because right. acuity was fine, but it was the visual scanning. So actually the smaller words and columns there were easier for him. Wow. And looking up and down a lot easier. So um, very, you know, thinking I knew that because of my observation skills and that's how it has carried over. So how do we accommodate in our own environments to do that? Right. Um, let's see. So some, someone else had mentioned in here, there was a question. Um, how do I know if I'm pushing him hard or not challenging him enough? That was one that came in. Uh, yes. Yeah. Deb, Deborah had asked that. Yes. So I think that is really important when we're going through these observation skills, how to recognize with our own specific kids. So when we are seeing, um, so for Caleb, and I can only give you an example of my own, right? But for Caleb, he would, we call this the zone of ops, like your alertness, right? Your optimal right. alertness where you can really focus and do, um, he's in like handwriting right there. He's in. Um, but there are a lot of times when he was like really down on it, he could not get himself to focus, to be able to attend to it. This is when I would see him slouching. This is when I would see him ah, um, yes. needing some more movement or like kind of crawling away from an activity until he could run <laughs> around and get moving. Um, right. Right. So you're going to know this by your own specific kid. He also would, as he's watching or, you know, writing, if he would start to get frustrated, I could see with his hand, he would start writing a lot harder. What he was trying to do, that's called proprioception. He's trying to get pressure through more and more of his joints to help calm his nervous system. Uh, so I yes. see that that is happening. And it didn't, not because he was needing to, you know, press harder, you know, for right. to be able to see it, but because he was starting to get frustrated and trying to calm his body. So what we would need to do is say, like, that's cool. I see that you're doing that. You know, I would give him that that language. I see that I'm, you're pressing yes. really hard to calm your body. Is that working for you? Yeah. Cool. If it's working, I'm not going to tell him to stop, right? If that's right. working, great. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, what are some other things? Let's do some push-ups. Let's, um, you know, take a break and go for a walk around and come back to it, you know? Um, we really just want to make sure that they also are becoming in tune with their bodies and what right. is hard, what is not, so that then they can advocate for themselves. You know? Exactly. Because eventually they're going to start putting those things in themselves. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what you want for them to do, because eventually you're not going to be there. I mean, right. my youngest just started college and I'm not peering over her right. shoulder, making sure that she's doing her stuff the right way. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like that self-advocacy is almost more important than if you can actually copy that work, you know, yes. mm-hmm. you might need to later on, you know, you get a job and you have to sit in a meeting and whether you can take notes or not will matter. And if you, But if you can't do that, like you can't physically write it, if you can say, hey, I'm going to record what's happening here because that's the best way that I can make sure it gets done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you don't know that or you can't advocate for it, right? out of luck. Your boss Mm -hmm. doesn't care. Yeah, your job's going to be very short. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. um, I would spend a lot of time, um, Debbie, again, there is, yeah, Deborah, there is, um, Interoception is probably a good thing for you to look up. That's that self-awareness. It's the internal, um, it's the sense of understanding what's going on inside of your body, um, how um, hungry, tired, thirsty you are, but also, and also things like, when do you need to go to the bathroom? But also things like, I understand my emotion here. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. underwhelmed. Like if your child can start to recognize that within themselves, they can tell it to you. So that would be a really good thing to look up. There's also some, um, there's a resource on my website, um, a blog about interoception. Kelly Mailer is a um, another occupational therapist who does a lot of work on interoception. And um, Kara Kosinski is another OT and homeschool mom who wrote a book called, oh goodness, I have it up here. Um, I think it's how I, is that how I feel? Well, I don't know how I feel, I think is what it is. Um, and that is a um, a book on interoception. Okay. So that would be another good resource to, to check in there. Um, and I think 
um, let's see, Carrie had asked about how to share ideas about how to, you know, incorporate OT ideas in with basic subject teaching times. Oh, yes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of harder if I don't know your OT goals that I can really give you very specific things. But mm-hmm. having these observations, right? So knowing where right. my child is with motor skills, with cognitive skills, with social skills, you can start to build that in. So for example, with Caleb, I knew like, we were talked about the stability, right. For mm-hmm. him to be able to write and the vision um, and to be able to visually scan. So I would do things like he would be on a scooter and he would pull himself forward. I'd have letters laid out on the floor. He would find that letter and we would go back the other way. And then he, we would spell words that way. Um, so these are things where I would knew the motor skills that he needed to work on. I knew um, the cognitive skills he needed to work on. And so we just, did that through throughout our day. Um, and that's really, honestly, that's what OTs do. We're looking at these um, small skills and figuring out how, how can a person be successful and what they need and want to do. So it's breaking those down. If you do need more like specific help on that, asking your own OT, like what skills do you see that they need to be working on? How can I do that at home would be great. Or oh, yeah. um, that's part of what I do as, as homeschool OT as well. Yeah. And Deborah had asked again, what was that? And I, I looked it up, introception, um, spelled it <laughs> and stuck it in the, the, the description in, on, um, on YouTube. So perfect. Yes. That introception. Good, good. I'm so glad. So here is kind of how we worked in through our day, like thinking of the time of day, um, our homeschool. And this again is just a sample, um, but to accommodate people's needs and those small strengths or small skills that we're building. So, so just, would, yeah, stepping back. So you don't do this until after you've done all that observation and kind of figured out where the needs are and right. just how people can, how your students and yourself can, can manage mm-hmm. that. Yep. Because we need to really think about what are those skills that we're trying to build that are going to carry over. So then once we know that those skills are, then we want to adjust our environment to make that happen for them. Mm -hmm. So this is just the example of kind of how I did it with, with my kiddos. Um, So, and I, again, I have three that are home with me all the time, but so when we would do our morning time, I would be reading to them and they would be moving around the kitchen and making their own breakfast. This started back. I mean, my kids now are 15, 12 and seven, but when we started homeschooling, they were um, eight, six, and one. So clearly my one-year-old was not cooking breakfast for himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was putting Cheerios out on his or whatever, putting stuff on his, you know, high chair tray that he's eating. And he was in there with us the entire right. time at the beginning. Um, and their goals were different. You know, I, I wasn't Absolutely. like expecting him to be able to narrate back to me, whatever I'm reading, mm-hmm. but he was in there, you know, and he's present around with my other kiddos. And it is pretty amazing the stuff that he would pick up and say later on and um, quite beautiful. So, um, again, I was never there is very few times um, when they were younger and even now where I expected them to be very, you know, sitting still looking at me, um, you know, <laughs> crisscross applesauce like that just right. wasn't a requirement instead. Um, and this is one of those that was how do you involve younger siblings in your learning? That's um, a question from Shayla. And so this is how we would do it. Um, in the morning as we were eating breakfast is when I would read. And, um, now we still do that now. It's, um, about an hour long where I read some of our history stuff together. I re- we do a hymn study. I do, we read the Bible. Um, we watch the news, a 10 minute news segment. So all of that stuff still happens in the morning as we're reading as part of the culture of our home. Um, and then after that, I would add in some chore time because they needed to move. And Absolutely. that is also building in some functional learning, right? So um, mowing the lawn, now that my son is older, that gives him proprioception. It helps him to calm his body down. Vacuuming, when they were washing the washing windows, um, that is core strength. That's that same stability that I was talking about before. Core strength, shoulder strength. So you're able to move your hands. Those are building the skills that you directly need. So for academic activities. Um, and then there would be some, you know, independent work. So whatever it was that they wanted to do or whether they were playing, you know, based on their mm-hmm. ages or whatever. Um, when they were younger, I would, um, we would call it bath math and I would put my youngest kiddos in the bath and um, so that they were, you know, 
playing and they were secure and safe. Right. And my oldest would be writing her math on the bathroom mirror because oh. I tell you how excited she would be to be writing the, you know, in there <laughs> rather than her paper. But oh, it was the mirror. Everybody was safe, contained, and it was one way that we would, you know, make that. That's an awesome idea. Love it. Good old bath math. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now at this point, you know, my, like I said, they're a lot older, so they're moving between things on their own and then able to work with me. Oh no, don't you hear them in the background? (laughs) Just adds a little bit of reality there. (laughs) Homeschool mom, here we are. (laughs) Um, Lunch and for lunch, I think I have a picture of this. Yes, this is, um, you know, this is what we do for lunch. It was not my original idea. Um, I believe it came from Elsie Udicello. She does Farmhouse Schoolhouse on Instagram, but she called it Lit Lunch. And it was just like (laughs) so beautiful. She lit candles and they would read literature while they were eating. And that is what we started doing from from the get-go is that we... My daughter reads, I read, we listen to an audio book, something yep. like that. And while we eat lunch, it brings everybody together. We've got some family time. Um, but that is part of our environment of kind of calming some things down Absolutely. <laughs> before we move into the afternoon. Yeah. So let me I go figured, back there. You know, I did the same thing and my kids would listen much longer to a book yeah. if they mm-hmm. had food in front of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Your mouth is busy. It cannot be talking. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. We're getting all of that together. Um, and then some, you know, time outside in the afternoons or doing whatever. Now they're, you know, running all over the place to go to sports and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, <laughs> So we're going to, I got to speed through the end. I didn't realize how long winded I would be, but um, so seeking out activities, you know, so now we've got, we've observed those skills. We're setting up an environment, recognizing like, what are their strengths? What are the skills that we need to be building? How can we cater specifically to you? And then looking at it, um, activities either to boost those skills, to build them or to like, um, because they're, they're, they're strengths of theirs and we, we want you to feel successful, right? So Absolutely. what can you do within your home? You know, we talked about chores a little bit. That was that building that stability, reading aloud, clearly different curriculums that focus on your, your strengths. You know, if you've got a kiddo who has really good stability, loves reading and writing, great. Let's do a lot more tabletop stuff. If you do not, then that is not the way to go. You might right. be needing to crawl on your scooter and find your letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you might be learning through videos and games or, or exercise. Guys, like the biggest thing here is that is individualized. That is the beautiful Absolutely. thing of, of homeschooling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about outside of the home, I will say over and over and over that hockey like changed Caleb's life because that whole, you know, visual scanning, he was so very motivated to yes. scan for a hockey puck, not mm-hmm. motivated to read scan letters, for a word. Right? <laughs> yeah. Not the same. Not the same. Very motivated to go out on a hike, look through binoculars and find a bird and then draw it. He loved that. So we did that wow. over and over because yes. it's the same, that's that same skill. Um, but looks different than just reading, you know, sitting at home and reading. Absolutely. I had to really pay attention. Yes. What are those skills that we need to build? Um, he also loves, you know, he's craved movement his whole life. And there, mm-hmm. again, there's other podcasts and things, sensory balanced that I talk about that stuff, but, um, being able to skate and spin and dive on the ground and <laughs> ram into the walls have other people. Right. Ram into the walls. <laughs> Never will it be the thing that I want to do. Right. You know, that's um, why you find other people that are excited about that and send them. Up. Yes, yes, <laughs> make it happen. Make it happen. Um, <laughs> martial arts, I think, is a very underrated thing. Um, it is fantastic for learning all of those motor skills, but also um, you're working at your own pace, and so it's not quite the same competition, especially for kids who are not, you know, really inclined to want to compete against others. That's not the social skill that they want to work towards, you know, that matching their knowledge, they do not want that one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But martial arts, um, even if, especially if you have kids who are kind of rivaling against each other, um, doing something side by side, where they're working at their own speed is really beautiful. So oh, my, yeah. my oldest too did that for, for quite a bit of time um, and really worked and learned things together. Plus, you know, when you're having to punch a punching bag, that 
Uh, you know, that can also be very helpful in life. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they let you spar and then you can beat yes. up on each other. There you and, go. And it's allowed. And how you're learning to calibrate that force, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so last but not least, like we said, you know, use their interests. This is Caleb. Now, this was literally a couple weeks ago or not, not last week. Um, yeah. I saw you post this video up oh, on, did you? on yeah. social media. Yeah. Yeah. So he was reading, you know, those Latin, those are his Latin vocabulary words that, and he now still with vision, um, it is remarkable now. I mean, he's, like I said, reading and writing and just absolutely beautiful. But um, speaking of hockey, his coaches are like, you have to be able to keep your head up and know where that puck is or else someone's going to check you and you could literally die. Right. I mean, you can have a big concussion. It could be really bad. So you have to know how to do that. Your eyes have to be strong enough. So that's what he's working on here. He's so interested in that, um, right. wants to do well with it, and completely happy to be looking at vocab words because it's helping in both sides. So yeah. a way to just add in um, some academic work to their interests. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a question that Deb had just asked on um, YouTube. She said, how do you build skills that are not their strengths? And I think Sarah just did an amazing job of, of kind of really bringing that all together. It's, it's really does, it focuses around their interests and you just mm -hmm. have to be creative. Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think if we're thinking about motor skills and stuff like how, how to build those throughout, I mean, there are, so many things you can do within your, within your day that's functional. So, you know, adding them into cooking with you, um, ripping across, uh, you know, ripping up your kale, cutting your vegetables, you know, pouring something into a pot, like all of those are going to use those same motor skills, but they're doing it alongside of you. Right. So once you recognize like, what are these skills that they really need to build? You're going to start to see it across different environments, across different activities. And so that's how you know, oh, I see that you're having a hard time opening that box of cereal. What, you know, how much force can you use? Let's practice ripping on other paper. You know, yes. so you're really, you're adding it in. Or, oh my gosh, yeah. it's hard. You could even make a craft out of ripped paper. And, yeah. you know, right? just then they could be, if they're artistic, then mm -hmm. yeah, you're using yep. that. Yep. Or I know you really love gardening. Can you find all the green beans on this giant plant? Wow, that's really hard, guys. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the, uh, there's always one that's hiding behind something that you never find. All and the time. Like you... <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, so finding what is it that they are interested in and seeing, oh, can we pull those skills in, in other ways? Right. So, so, guys, that is my main thing. Here's our summary. You know, we are all... Everybody is unique. We are all God's handiwork. Yes. We all have these unique works that God's prepared in advance for us to do. So if we can help our children to participate yeah. in these, knowing that there isn't one right or wrong way, but that they all have these underlying skills, then Absolutely. we consider you know, those skills within the person. We can adjust the environment. We can choose activities that are going to help, and we're going to boost their learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful, Sarah. Well said, and so much great information and content. Um, I think we've all just been fed the last hour, and um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it really does. It what we said at the very beginning, you know, we we miss these things, mm -hmm. and then we realize we've missed them a yeah. lot of times too late, and um, and we have this privilege um, to be able yes. to share you know, Sarah's sharing this information with you. I hope you really take it and grasp it and say, you know, it isn't just about the books. It isn't just about the checklist and the schedule, but yeah. it's about my child. And right. it's about really seeing where this child is struggling way, you know, way back. Let's take a yeah. step back, take a couple steps back and, um, and make this the best school year ever yes. by making it about, about what they need. So beautiful. Love it. So where, um, talk a little bit about your website, what people can find there. I will definitely share some of those links that you shared with me as well as resources, but I'm going to put your website up and yes. um, yeah. share that. 
So I'm at, yeah, homeschoolot.com. And on there, you can find, um, there are resources, many blogs that I have. There's also a shop. Um, we, I run some specific classes on, um, if we're looking at breaking these skills down, executive functioning yeah. skills on um, sensory processing, and then also on um, handwriting. So looking specifically at those skills that are inclined in handwriting. Um, and then I also have a membership, which has, weekly office hours for just question and answer, but also mm-hmm. some resources and things inside of there. Um, you can find all of that at homeschool OT. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook sharing, you know, some reels and yeah. videos. Like you said, you saw that one. Of yeah. my kid, which I love that. <laughs> it makes me so happy. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sarah has amazing resources, so you'll definitely want to check out Homeschool OT. And um, just want to thank you all for joining us for this broadcast. Um, it has been information-packed, and so um, if you didn't catch it all the first time, watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Slow it down, stop it where you need it, and um, just get the information that you need um, to make your school year amazing and to, to really stop the frustration. Um, I think we run into so much frustration with our kids and realize that it's, it's just because we're not meeting them where they need to be met. And, um, and Sarah's really laid out a really, um, amazingly simple yet profound way to do that. So, so thanks again, Sarah. I appreciate you and all you're doing. Um, keep up the good work You're You're doing some amazing stuff. Um, and we're excited about, um, about all that and that we can send parents to you for your expertise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So that's the end of this broadcast. Um, Next time, we're going to be talking about optimizing experiential child-directed learning opportunities. So kind of a a little bit of an off, you know, continuation of of this topic. And really, our last conversation (laughs) was was really leading up to this. Um, We just had the the broadcast or podcast that I did two days ago was was kind of really setting you up for what Sarah just just talked about. So um, it's amazing how God works all that together Isn't with all it? my guests. Right. So um, so you definitely want to join us for that. Um, so check out Homeschool OT. And again, um, check out all of our resources here at spedhomeschool.com. And we'll see you all again next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.